Uh, we'll begin this morning in Matthew chapter number 1, uh, beginning with verse number 1, and uh, we're going to read through the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, now, bear with me as we read a lot of names this morning, and uh, you follow along, and uh, we'll read the first 16 verses of Matthew chapter number 1. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judas and his brethren. And Judas begat Phares, and Zerah of Thamar, and Phares begat Esram, and Esram begat Aram. And Aram begat Amadab, and Amadab begat Nason, and Nason begat Salmon. And Salmon begat Boaz of Rocheb, and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse. And Jesse begat David the king, and David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Uriah. And Solomon begat Roboam, and Roboam begat Abia, and Abia begat Asa, and Asa begat Josaphat, and Josaphat begat Joram, and Joram begat Ozias. And Ozias begat Jotham, and Jotham begat Achaz, and Achaz begat Ezekias. And Ezekias begat Manassas, and Manassas begat Ammon, and Ammon begat Josias. And Josias begat Jeconus and his brethren about the time they were carried away to Babylon. After they were brought to Babylon, Jeconus begat Selethel, and Selethel begat Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel begat Abiad, and Abiad begat Eliakim, and Eliakim begat Azar. And Azar begat Sadok, and Sadok begat Achim, and Achim begat Eliad. And Eliad begat Eleazar, and Eleazar begat Mathan, and Mathan begat Jacob. And finally, verse 16. And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. This morning, I want to use these first 16 verses to speak on what the genealogy of Christ reminds us. Obviously, you and I know that God put everything in the Bible on purpose. If it's there, there's a reason it's there. Uh, that's why it's not up to you and I to decide what we put in and take out. And it's not up to you and I to decide what we uh, deem important and, and unimportant and what we uh, uh, deem relevant and, and, irre and unrelevant today. Uh, but I want us to look at the genealogy of Christ and see what we can learn from that today. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, we thank you once again for the opportunity to be in church. We thank you for the Lord Jesus. And as we're in this Christmas season, we think about uh, the coming of the Christ, the Christ child, but we're reminded that uh, he didn't come just to be born in a manger. He came to go to a cross. And Father, we thank you for uh, the Lord Jesus and the price he paid on Calvary, the, uh, the sins that he bore that were my sins and the sins of the world. We thank you for salvation, that free gift of salvation. Father, I pray this morning we'll be reminded of uh, what a wonderful God we have, what a uh, loving God we have, a merciful God we have. And Father, I pray that if there's uh, someone unsaved, they'll uh, realize this morning that uh, they have a God who loves them enough that He sent uh, His only Son to die on the cross and pay for their sins. And I pray that they'll choose to trust Jesus today. Uh, bless our time together, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, obviously, we know that man uh, is a sinner. Uh, I hope that's not a revelation to you this morning. 
Uh, it shouldn't be. If you're married, I'm sure your wife has reminded you several times. Uh, we are sinners. Uh, we know the book of Genesis and how that first man, that first woman, how uh, because of Adam, uh, it's passed down from generation to generation. We have a sin nature. But God's plan for man's sin was Jesus. Aren't you thankful that when man sinned, God didn't just discard man? God didn't just wash his hands of mankind and say, now you're going to reap the wrath of your sin. Uh, No, God had a plan for mankind, and that plan was the Lord Jesus Christ. He would send his son to be born of a virgin. Uh, He would uh, be born in this world, and he would be 100% man, but he'd be 100% God. He'd be the God man. He'd live a sinless life. And he would begin his earthly ministry about the age of 30, and he would eventually go to the cross of Calvary, having never committed a sin. He was perfect. He was perfection. He was holiness. And he would go to that cross, and he would lay down his life. And in doing so, he took upon him my sins. Uh, He took upon him your sins. He took upon him the sins of every man who has ever lived. And he not only took them upon him, he suffered uh, the payment for those sins. And this very day, anyone who has ever put their faith and trust in in what Jesus did on Calvary uh, is the recipient of eternal life, is the recipient of forgiveness. It's through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm glad that in the waning weeks of 2018, if there was somebody lost here this morning and you were you, you, you had never put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you could be saved today. You could receive that same eternal gift of eternal life and forgiveness of your sins by just putting your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That was God's plan for man's sins. But I want us to see several things here this morning, and I have five things I want us to, to, to learn from uh, the genealogy this morning. And I believe it will be an encouragement to us. I believe it will be a help to us. It will remind us that nothing catches God by surprise. Uh, you may be surprised by some news you get today. God will not be. Uh, some, you've, you've, you're, you're getting, uh, you're, you're of the older generation, if I could put it that way, and you have watched this world change drastically, and some things still surprise you today that go on in this world we live in. It's not surprise to God. God is in complete control of everything. He is above all things. I think we'll be reminded, I'm certain we'll be reminded uh, from the, the, the first part of cha- uh, Matthew chapter 1. The first thing I want us to see is found in verses number 1 and 2, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begat Isaac. Let me say, first of all, the, the genealogy of Christ reminds us that God keeps his promises. Don't you remember in Genesis chapter number 12 when God made a promise to Abraham he would make of him a great nation? And then throughout the Old Testament, there's the the, the prophets who prophesy that there is coming 
a Savior. There is coming one who would take away the sins of the world. There is one who is coming and he'll be led like a sheep going to slaughter. And all through the Old Testament, we see a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And those prophets, they prophesied and said, the day is coming where he will appear before men. And as we read the genealogy here in Matthew chapter 1, we're reminded right at the beginning with Abraham that God keeps his promises. Now, how many years had gone by before this promise was fulfilled? Uh, uh, quite a few. Abraham was not in on the earth when that promise was fulfilled, but God still fulfilled that promise. Friend, you can take the, this book that you hold in your hand, the precious words of God, and every promise that is on the pages of Scripture, you have a guarantee that God will keep that promise. Aren't you glad that when God, uh, when the Scripture tells us that we put our faith and trust in God, uh, that, that in the Lord Jesus for salvation, that we are sealed under that day of redemption? Friend, you may change your mind, but God's never changing His mind. Every promise that God has made will be fulfilled. And as we read through the genealogy, friend, as you get to your Bible reading in January 1, is coming around, and, and we start that, that reading through the Bible list all over again. And we start that reading through the Bible list all over again. Let me say it one more time. And we start that reading through the Bible list all over again. And we, in the book of Matthew and then in the book of Luke, we read that genealogy. I don't want you to just see a bunch of names of people you have no idea who they are. I don't want you to see just a bunch of names that you cannot even pronounce. What I want you to see is documentation that when God makes a promise, He keeps His promise. And you and I can take comfort in that, and we can be reminded uh, from this documentation of all of these generations that when God makes a promise, He keeps it. Amen. Friend, why are you discouraged this morning? Have you forgotten about the promises of God? Well, I don't see how that's ever going to work out. Friend, you don't have to see it. You just got to know that God's promised it. And if God's promised it, you, it do a lot of Christians a lot of good today. If you quit trying to work out the details... If God is, has, has promised it, it's as good as done. Do you realize this morning that as, as we gather in the Emmanuel Baptist Church, as far as God is concerned, positionally, if you're saved this morning, you are already in heaven with him? You say, how could that be? Because he's already made a promise that those who believe on his son, eternal life is what they have to look forward to. We, we see here that God keeps his promises. Number two, we are reminded that the eternal God doesn't get in a hurry. The first man and the first woman sinned in the Garden of Eden. It didn't take long for mankind to mess things up. The first man and the first woman sinned. The now sin had entered into the human race. Sin would be passed from generation to generation. That death sentence that sin brings is passed from generation to generation. The moment they sinned, there was the need of the Savior. God already knew 
that he would send his son. He already knew that Jesus Christ would make the payment for sins. And for generation after generation and after generation, the, the God had the perfect timing that he was going to send his son. And eternal God did not get in a hurry to fulfill his plan. See, God is eternal. You and I get in a hurry because we look, we just have so many years on this planet. And we think we know how many we have, but we really don't. There's some who think they're going to live a long, long time. And you think you're going to live a lot longer than you really are because the Bible tells us that there's an appointment with death for every man. And if the Lord tarries his coming, you may have the next 40 years planned out, but you may have less than four. Some of you would testify, I'm surprised I'm still here. That's the other side of the coin. I'm surprised I am still here. We don't, we don't know what God has planned as, as, as far as longevity. But we do know this, that God is eternal. God doesn't get in a hurry. That's why, on a side note, you and I should be busy about doing the work of God because the only thing that's going to outlast our time here is what we do for God. But God does not get, God, God did not get in a hurry. It was thousands of years before He sent His Son, the Savior. Now you say, Pastor, well, how's the application of that? Quit getting in a hurry with God's business. Say, well, I just, God, God, God is going to need to do this and He needs to do it now. God is not getting in a hurry. God has a plan. You may say, if I was God, I would have already taken care of this. We are all glad. You are not God. We're all glad. I'm not God. We're all glad that we have a God who is above all of us. And we might get in a hurry and we might say, why hasn't God taken care of this? And why hasn't God sent an answer to this? And why hasn't God intervened? The eternal God's not getting in your hurry. He's not getting in my hurry. He has a plan and he's going to fulfill it. He's going to stick with it. You say, Pastor, that, that, that's, that, that's good, but there's a greater application there. You and I are affected. We, our emotions drive us so many times, don't they? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand who's ever made a bad decision. It's because you let your emotions make that decision. Shoot, God's got a plan. He's going to stay with his plan. He doesn't get in a hurry. Uh, don't get in too big of a hurry with God. Uh, parents who have children at home, let me help you with this. Young people, let me help you with this. Well, I'm this, this old. If God has not revealed to me that he wants me to do this by this year, but then I'm going, no, no, don't get in a hurry with God. God's not in your hurry. He's an eternal God. He does, he's not bound by time. He's not bound by the calendar. I'm reminded when I read the genealogy that an eternal God doesn't get in a hurry. I'm also reminded when you read through this list of names, generation after generation, that life is brief, but death is universal. You look at some of these names, and they lived, many of them, much longer than the average length of life is today. Well, you read those Old Testament uh, characters in the book of Genesis, and 
not just the decades they lived, but many times the centuries that they lived. And how long they lived. And you, and you scratch your head and you think to live uh, 100 years, uh, for 100 years, for 200 years, and, and three and four and 500 years, as many of them, them lived. That would be, you think about it, that, that's periods of history. That's centuries. That's a long time. But tonight, they're dead. Life is brief, but death is universal. Well, what a sobering thought for you and I to think of, that, that in God's plan, I believe, if my count is correctly, uh, there's over 40 generations, uh, generation after generation after generation, uh, where, 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 where there's this, the genealogy that came with the Christ child, and now he is born. And all of those life had, all of that life had passed. Well, we're reminded that these are remembered for what they did or did not do for God. This ties in with the previous point that God doesn't get in a hurry. Life is a vapor. I want to ask you to raise your hand, but how many have ever said, boy, I sure got to this age fast. Well, I, 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 boy, life sure went by quickly. I can't believe I'm already celebrating this milestone. Friend, you and I, life is going to pass us by. If the Lord tarries is coming one day, we'll be remembered in a genealogy similar to this one, where this, we were somebody's son, but we were also somebody's father or mother, we're somebody's grandmother or grandfather, great-grandfather, great-grandmother, and we'll just be a name on a ledger. See, life is briefer than you and I want to think about it being. And you say, are you trying to discourage us this morning, Pastor? Not at all. I'm just trying to remind you that the only thing that's going to matter with your life is what you do for God. And when I read through these names, if you, if you know a little bit about the names that are mentioned here, there are some who were remembered for what they did for God, and there are some who are remembered because they, they did not take advantage of doing what they could have done for God. Uh, life is brief. It's time for us as Christians to say, well, I think i got a lot of time ahead of me, Pastor. We don't know that. We should be busy serving the Lord today. What can I do for God today? And these are remembered for either what they did do or what they did not do for God. Somebody's going to remember you when you're gone. How are they going to remember you? God takes note of what you do for Him. You know, if Christians would get a hold of this and quit living for the temporal but live for the eternal, you know what's going to outlast? I don't know how many years I have. God does. But however long that I had to live on this earth, the only thing, the only way that, 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 that what I do can outlive the days I live is what I do for God. The same is true for you. The mark in eternity, the mark in this life is made. See, we read this list and we understand life is brief, death is universal. It's amazing. Some think that, that they've got an unlimited amount of days and, and death will never come visit them. And I can do whatever I want to do. Friend, it comes quicker than you and I want to admit. It is here quicker than we think it, our life goes by us. Take advantage of the opportunity you have today to serve the Lord. 
Boy, I read this and I go through this list and I'm thinking, how fast do we get through hundreds of years? Brief. 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 What, what, what are you doing with your life? You say, well, Pastor, I, I, I didn't get saved at a young age or I got away from the Lord. I've wasted a lot of years. Well, take advantage of the time you have left. You're here today. You can get started over again today. Uh, you, you can uh, you rededicate yourself today. You can say, I'm going to draw a line and from this day forward, I'm going to make the most of my days. Life is brief. Death is universal. It is appointed on the man once to die. Are you prepared to meet your God? Is your soul prepared? Have you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you prepared? See, death is universal. In this list here are kings. They still died. It's universal. Is your soul prepared? Are you prepared with the way you're living, the life that you're living? God gave you life. Are you using the life that God gave you for His honor, for His glory? Are you using the life that God has given you to, to do the work of God, to make a difference in the lives of others, a difference for eternity. See, life is brief. Death is universal. It's coming to all of us. Are we prepared? Are we ready? I know this may seem like I'm not bringing much holiday cheer, but uh, this might be the last Christmas for somebody. You better make sure your soul is prepared to meet God. You better be prepared to make sure your life is what it should be. See, it's a little more than these New Year's resolutions, or I'm going to lose 10 pounds, or I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to accomplish this and accomplish that. I'm for all of that. But friend, are you, are you using the life that God has given you to, to serve Him, to honor Him? All of us right now, the Holy Spirit of God ought to be pointing things out in our lives, some things that we ought to change, some things that we should be improved, because life is brief. Death's coming to all of us. We're going to give an account of the days that God has given us. Are we ready for that? I look in number four. I want us to be reminded. This is, ought to be encouraging to all of us. As we read through this list, we find the all-inclusiveness of the mission of Jesus Christ. We can rejoice this morning in for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. That word whosoever is a wonderful word. It means anybody. It means everybody. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what your lineage is. That word whosoever means that for Anybody, everybody who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Aren't you glad we have an all-inclusive Savior who came to pay for the sins of all men? It is, it, is, it is documented 
and we are reminded in the genealogy of our Savior. I'm going to help you this morning. This, this, I, 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 I love uh, what I'm about to point out to you. We find Abraham. Abraham, we know who Abraham is, don't we? Well, Abraham was that one that God promised uh, that great nation. We, we know of Abraham. We know of Isaac. I want you to come down to verse number 4. And we see the name Salmon. And Salmon in verse number 5 begat Boaz, who married Ruth. Do you know who Salmon married? He married Rahab the harlot. Uh, that, that, that harlot, that Rahab who's recorded in Hebrews chapter number 11, that great hall of faith, the one who God used in Jericho who put out that, 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 red, that red cord signifying uh, she hid the, the spies from, from Israel and, and God spared her and her family. And, and we understand what that red cord represents. And, and God changed the life of a harlot. And, and, and she was the mother of Boaz. Now what religious people would say and what we would have a tendency to say, well, God would only include a certain kind of people who come from a certain kind of a background, who have never done certain things, but God reminds us in His own genealogy that He is inclusive of everyone. There is nobody who has lived a life who Jesus cannot transform. There's nobody who comes from a, a pagan place that He will not save. We are reminded in his own genealogy that he is a savior for all mankind. But it gets better. Salmon begat Boaz, and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth. Ruth, that Moabitess. The one, you know the story is, as, as Boaz was going to redeem her as her next of kin, and, but there was one closer, and he would not take the lamb because he would have to take this pagan woman. And he didn't want to defile himself. But Boaz took her. And wouldn't you know it, when we cracked open our Bibles just a little bit ago, and we begin reading in Matthew chapter 1, the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a man who married Rahab the harlot, and lo and behold, their son married a Moabitess woman, a pagan woman, as a picture of Christ redeeming those who were dirty, those who were pagan, and being one that would accept any and all. Rahab, that woman who lived that horrible lifestyle, was the great-great-grandmother of King David. And it is David's lineage that the Christ child came from. The great-great-grandmother of that great king was Rahab the harlot, making his great-grandmother Ruth. The Moabitess, Ruth the pagan, 
Friend, if you can't see a wonderful picture there of an all-inclusive God, an all-inclusive Savior, and let me say, when I use the word all-inclusive, that doesn't mean you can get to Him any way you want to get to Him. It doesn't mean you can worship any God you want to worship and get to Him. It just simply means that anybody who will trust in Jesus, He'll take you. Anybody who says, I'm not worthy of my own, and I acknowledge the life that I've lived, but I'm, I'm depending on the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and forgiveness through him. He'll take you. It doesn't matter what life you lived. It doesn't matter where you come from. We have a Savior who came to die for all mankind. When we read through that, we see the all-inclusiveness of our Savior. For not encourage you this morning, if you're here and you're not saved... You might be surprised the church didn't fall in when you came in this morning. But I would encourage you, no matter what you've done, God saved a harlot. He saved a pagan woman. And for a picture, for generations, he had it planned if they were going to be in his lineage. You say, oh, wasn't the lineage of what, what didn't, didn't that didn't that make him uh, unclean oh no 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 it's just a greater picture uh, that when jesus gets involved in the life of no matter what you've done or where you come from uh, you become clean he 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 took on the sins of mankind once and for all what a wonderful picture that no matter where you've been or what you've done you can be saved can i also add in there that no matter how far after salvation you get away from god you can come back you can be restored in to fellowship. The last thing this morning I want us to see, and again, we see all of these names in this lineage. And the last thing I'll mention to you this morning is this. The genealogy of Christ reminds us that God's plan supersedes man's wickedness. Man is wicked. We're sinners. So I'm surprised that what, 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 so we ought to get, quit being surprised because even God says our heart is desperately wicked. We have sinned against God. When sometimes we, we're guilty of saying, well, I wouldn't do what somebody else would do, but all sin is wicked in the, in the sight of God. Let's look real quick as we. Come to the closing part of the service this morning at the reminder that God's plan supersedes man's wickedness. We find Abraham having a child by Hagar, not trusting the plan of God. Oh, there's the name Jacob, that deceiver, that trickster. That, that, that one who deceived his brother. Oh, if we keep reading, I've already mentioned Rahab, who lived as a harlot, and Ruth, who was that Moabitess woman, that pagan woman. And oh, and there's King David, and what a great king he was. But God recorded in Scripture the great failures of that king and the wicked things he's done. As a matter of fact, he reminds us right there of him, the begatting Solomon of of, of her that had been the wife of Uriah. 
Then there's Solomon, who's just mentioned there, and he starts out on the right path, but then how he went to pagan gods and, and lived such a pagan life. And Rehoboam, sometime take the opportunity to read about Rehoboam. Uh, he, he's not in the who's who of the greatest kings of Israel. Manasseh's mentioned that wicked king. All of that sin, all of that wickedness, we continue to read all the way down, and we get down to verse 16 of whom was born Jesus is called Christ. In spite of all of the sin, in spite of the deceit, in spite of the murder, in spite of the adultery, in spite of the lack of faith, in spite of the, all of the evil deeds that were done by those who are mentioned, there in verse number 16, we find perfection, we find a holiness, we find the Son of God, we find the Savior of all mankind, we find that perfect, spotless, without blemish Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world, friend, we have a reminder that in spite of man's wickedness, it cannot thwart the plan of God. God is above it all. God is above all things, and His plan supersedes man's wickedness. What a God we have. Boy, there's a great lesson, so many lessons there, and I'm out of time. Well, if you fail, if you stumble, if you commit acts of wickedness, well, God's already taken care of the plan of salvation. Well, if you've not received Christ, all you have to do is put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and if you have stumbled, if you've fallen after salvation, all you have to do is, it, it is still, you're still saved. All you have to do is be reconciled to your God uh, through confession and through turning away from that sin. Say, I don't want to have anything to do with that anymore. And your fellowship can be restored. It's not like your wickedness is such that, that God cannot use you again. God will not restore you. you You've just got to turn to a holy and a righteous God. God's plan supersedes man's wickedness. Sometimes we say, well, that person we know, they can never be saved because of the life they've lived. That's not what I find in Scripture. You know, and, I, and I hope in part of my challenge, I, I enjoy this kind of Bible study. So if you're not enjoying this, I don't really care. I'm enjoying this and I have enjoyed this. But I, what I want you to do is the next time it comes to Matthew chapter 1 and you start reading through uh, the lineage, you're reminded of who God put there and who was part of God's plan. And no matter what life you live, you look there and say, oh, but look, there's Rahab the harlot. There's Ruth the Moabitess. And God still place them in the lineage of his son. Well, I thank God that he would accept me and he would pay my sin debt and he would make me whole and he would make me clean and he would make me one of his own. And oh, you read there and you and you're reminded of the wicked acts that were done by these human men and women. And oh, you're reminded of that. And you're reminded that you have a God that loved his creation so much 
that He would send His perfect Holy Son to pay their sin debt. And we are reminded that no matter how wicked we are, God is above that. God still made a way. God still has a plan for mankind. And we live in a very wicked world today. We live in a world that is almost every day. It's like there is a a competition to see if what we do today is more wicked than what took place yesterday. But we have a God who, who has made the plan and we find the lineage in Matthew chapter number one that there was a son, the son of God was born in Bethlehem. His name was Jesus. And we're reminded that God's plan supersedes man's wickedness. I don't know why God would accept me. You'd have to say the same thing. He made a way through His Son so that in my sin, I could get back to Him. God wants me, God wants you, God wants man reconciled back to Him so badly that in spite of the wickedness of man, He sent His perfect, holy, righteous Son to pay the debt of mankind. This morning, I'm thankful that Jesus came and was willing to be made of no reputation, took upon Him the form of a man, born in a lowly manger so that I might have salvation so you might have salvation friend God has done more for us than I'm afraid we ever take the time to realize God in his care has ordained so many things you say well well, pastor I see God was very careful in his oh absolutely he's very careful in his lineage he was very careful He designed to include those that you and I, man, would never include to paint the picture that Jesus will include everybody. But isn't it a wonderful thought that if God would take so much time, and he did to take so much care because it depended on the eternity of man, why do we think God would put less effort into God in your life now? We live in a day, well, what a coincidence. It's not a coincidence. It's the hand of God. The hand of God. This morning, the genealogy of Christ reminds us of several things. Reminds us we've got a very good God. We've got a very great God. We've got a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for all men.